the Bible Study Podcast, episode 534. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of the kings of Israel and Judah with 2 Samuel 14. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. So we're continuing on the study of the kings here with Second Samuel 14. And remember what happened last time is there was this terrible incident where Amnon raped his half-sister and then was killed by his half-brother. He raped Tamar and then was killed by Absalom. And part of what I said is that he was killed by Absalom because David didn't do anything about it. And when justice is not dealt with by the king, by the leader, whose role includes making sure that justice, real justice, justice that is untainted by personal uh, feelings, by personal, by things that help yourself. So there's all sorts of things in the Bible, especially in the prophets, that talk about the unjust judge. And David's part of his role here was judge. Part of his role was to make sure that justice was meted out. And because it wasn't, Absalom becomes a murderer. And that's going to have an impact on this chapter. Absalom returns to Jerusalem. Joab, son of Zeruiah, knew the king's heart longed for Absalom. So Joab sent someone to Tekoa and had a wise woman brought from there. He said to her, pretend you are in mourning. Dress in mourning clothes and don't use any cosmetic lotions. Act like a woman who has spent many days grieving for the dead. Then go to the king and speak these words. And Joab put the words in her mouth. When the woman from Tekoa went to the king, she fell with her face to the ground to pay him honor. And she said, help me, your majesty. The king asked her, what is troubling you? She said, I am a widow. My husband is dead. I, your servant, had two sons. They got into a fight with each other in the field, and no one was there to separate them. One struck the other and killed him. Now the whole clan has risen up against your servant. They say, hand over the one who struck his brother down, so that we may put him to death for the life of his brother whom he killed. Then we will get rid of the heir as well. They would put out the only burning coal I have left, leaving my husband neither name nor descendant on the face of the earth. The king said to the woman, Go home, and I will issue an order on your behalf. But the woman from Tekoa said to him, Let the lord, the king, pardon me and my family, and let the king and his throne be without guilt. The king replied, If anyone says anything to you, bring them to me, and they will not bother you again. She said, Then let the king invoke the lord his god to prevent the avenger of blood from adding to the destruction, so that my son will not be destroyed. As surely as the lord lives, he said, Not one hair from your son's head will fall to the ground. Then the woman said, let your servant speak a word to my lord, the king. Speak, he replied. The woman said, why then have you devised a thing like this against the people of God? When the king says this, does he not convict himself? For the king has not brought back his banished son. Like water spilled on the ground, which cannot be recovered, so we must die. But that is not what God desires. Rather, he devises ways so that a banished person does not remain banished from him. And now I have come to say this to my lord the king, because the people have made me afraid. 
Your servant thought, I will speak to the king. Perhaps he will grant his servant's request. Perhaps the king will agree to deliver his servant from the hand of the man who is trying to cut off both me and my son from God's inheritance. And now your servant says, May the word of my lord the king secure my inheritance, for my lord the king is like an angel of God in discerning good and evil. May the lord your God be with you. Then the king said to the woman, Don't keep from me the answer to what I am going to ask you. Let my lord the king speak, the woman said. The king asked, Isn't the hand of Joab with you in all this? The woman answered, As surely as you live, my lord the king, no one can turn to the right or to the left from anything my lord the king says. Yes, it was your servant Joab who instructed me to do this, and who put all these words into the mouth of your servant. Your servant Joab did this to change the present situation. My lord has wisdom like that of an angel of God. He knows everything that happens in the land. The king said to Joab, Very well, I will do it. Go bring back the young man Absalom. Joab fell with his face to the ground to pay him honor, and he blessed the king. Joab said, Today your servant knows that he has found favor in your eyes, my lord the king, because the king has granted his servant's request. Then Joab went to Jeshur and brought Absalom back to Jerusalem. But the king said he must go to his own house, he must not see my face. So Absalom went to his own house and did not see the face of the king. We're going to get to the second half here, but so Joab, who this is not the first time that Joab has schemed and has put words in somebody's mouth. I think of the issue of David and Bathsheba and what he's going to send word from the field here. But Joab is trying to reconcile the king and Absalom. Now, it's interesting when we look at how David is behaving now. I just want you to pause and go back a few chapters and remember when David was a young king. And he is trying to figure out, should he fight this person or should he fight that person? The one thing that we kept getting is Joab inquired of the Lord, and and he learned this, do this, do that. And he was winning victories everywhere. One of the things that I noticed that's kind of absent here, it's not mentioned at least by the person who chronicles this, is that David isn't spending any time trying to figure out, for instance, after Amnon does what he does, we don't get, and David inquired of the Lord, what should he do with Amnon? And then after Absalom kills Amnon, we don't get, and David required of the Lord what he should do with Absalom. And David is not making great decisions, and he's making kind of halfway decisions. I'm not going to punish him, but I'm not going to embrace him and forgive him. And so he's got Absalom, who is popular, as we'll see in a minute, with the people who is living in exile. So Joab puts words in this woman's mouth to say, if he looked at this situation differently, if he looked at it as if it were your son, he would make a different decision. And so David says, okay, let Absalom come back. He's going to be pardoned. Now, the one phrase in here that I really liked is, you know, I don't know whether Absalom should be pardoned or not. I know what Amnon did was very evil and should have been punished by the king and shouldn't have been left to Absalom. But we get the woman who says, that is not what God desires. Rather, he devises ways that a banished person does not remain banished from him. I believe that Joab, who is putting words in her mouth, does understand the heart of God in those verses. We look sometimes at the Old Testament and we just see the judgment. But Joab understood that God was a God who wanted to forgive. And so those are the words that he gives the woman. But we continue on. Remember, he hasn't quite resolved the situation. He has neither punished Absalom nor has he embraced him. He's left him in this in-between. 
In all Israel, there was not a man so highly praised for his handsome appearance as Absalom. From the top of his head to the sole of his foot, there was no blemish in him. Whenever he cut the hair of his head, he used to cut his hair once a year because it was too heavy for him. He would weigh it, and its weight was 200 shekels by the royal standard. Three sons and a daughter were born to Absalom. His daughter's name was Tamar, and she became a beautiful woman. Absalom lived two years in Jerusalem without seeing the king's face. Then Absalom sent for Joab in order to send him to the king, but Joab refused to come to him. So he sent a second time, but he refused to come. Then he said to his servants, Look, Joab's field is next to mine, and he has barley there. Go and set it on fire. So Absalom's servants set the field on fire. Then Joab did go to Absalom's house, and he said, Why have your servants set my field on fire? Absalom said to Joab, Look, I sent word to you and said, Come so that I can send you to the king to ask, Why have I come from Jeshur? It would be better for me if I were still there. Now then, I want to see the king's face, and if I am guilty of anything, let him put me to death. So Joab went to the king and told him this. Then the king summoned Absalom, and he came in and bowed down with his face to the ground before the king. And the king kissed Absalom. So they have finally this reunion, causes the burning of a field in the process. That seems a little rash to me. I understand that if you don't get action when you're asking nicely, sometimes you ask not nicely. And we know that Absalom is prone to rash anger. I think that's some of that. And so we get, it would seem here, this reconciliation between David and Absalom. But I think those two years are going to cause some problems. Those two years are going to mean that that situation is not resolved, as we will see next week. But with that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com, or better yet, leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And thanks so much for listening. Scripture and brain science agree. Meditating on God's Word transforms us and reduces stress in our lives. I'm Jody Nisnik, host of So Much More, Creating Space for God, a scripture meditation podcast. And each week I give you space to hear God's Word, listen to the Spirit, and pray about what's on your heart. And then we have a thoughtful conversation with guests to help us go deeper. Listen and subscribe at lifeaudio.com.